Welcome to Contextless, the podcast where photos are photos, but words are words. It's been a minute since our last episode because I've been in what I've been describing as a creative hibernation. I am like creating, writing, and stuff. It's more about input than output, so to speak. But yeah, just like hibernating, creating, being creative in a pandemic and other news i've gotten the first dose of the pfizer vaccine and i'm gonna get my second one soon so if you haven't you should probably should not because you have to because like i'm concerned over everyone's health you know and so (laughs) do it for me everybody go get a vaccine not for yourselves but for me because I'm concerned <laughs> for everyone. But seriously, please go get vaccinated ASAP. And so, and something I've realized in that creative hibernation time is that I'm not gonna, for example, make an episode of this podcast when I have nothing to say. And another example would be like, I wouldn't write something if I didn't have something to say about something. And sometimes I have nothing to say. Nothing in the media will, like, in the culture will provoke me or make me react or make me engage with it. So sometimes waiting and patience is the way to go. And that's what I've been doing. But I'm happy to report I'm back. And a lot of stuff has happened in the culture. And we're going to dive right into it. For this podcast, it's just me. For this episode, I mean, it's just me, Fernando Martinez, your host. And I'm going to begin this episode with my per-episode recommendations. And for this episode, I only have one recommendation, and it's a book I've recently finished. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business by Neil Postman. Postman is a media theorist that I studied and learned about in my college major. Uh, And in the book, he argues that the book was published in the late 80s, FYI. And so in the book, he argues that because of the emphasis and importance and popularity of like show business in terms of like television being the dominant like medium for media and then kind of the or or as well as the origins of America in terms of like how it started out print based and then soon came photography and the telegram and then eventually television and email and whatnot and he cites those as like what causes kind of lack of critical thinking or lack or like low threshold for nuance among people today. Essentially what it boils down to is short content over context. Like context isn't a priority more. It's just, oh, this has to be entertaining or if it's not entertaining, then I won't pay attention to it, so to speak. It's a really good book and I recommend it. It's just under 200 pages. And yeah, it's one of my like critical cultural criticism books that I've 
felt like I've always known about, but I've actually just read it actually. And an example of like that book connecting to like a real life example is uh, Amanda Gorman. She's the poet laureate of the she's the national poet laureate, I believe, and she she's the poet who performed at the inauguration this year and she had a Vogue cover story recently written by Doreen St. Felix who's a staff writer for the New Yorker who everyone should read so go look go look up her work everything she writes no matter the topic is so good but yeah I bring it up because in that profile or cover story that she wrote about it one of the parts was how Amanda doesn't want to be like this figurehead for like for all black women or women of color like she just wants to be herself she doesn't want to be used as like the standard like or like a role model so to speak and I thought that was really important to remember because oftentimes with these or like in this era like of today like like for example she was she was in a magazine cover and the photos were shot by the legendary Annie Annie Leibovitz and on social media all everyone was like talking about or reposting were the images and I for me it was telling because I was I thought to myself people are putting more emphasis on the images of a poet than the words of a poet and to me that reminded me of the topics in the postman book because he says that photos are slices of reality because if you take a photo of something that's like a slice of reality that you just like chopped up and like put it in your pocket on your phone and I feel like this and he said it was he said photos are devoid of context like yeah the photos might be showing something but without any words and just the image it could be there's no need for context and so for me if you just see Amanda Gorman who's like an internationally renowned poet and you only know her of her photos or only like focus on the photos then that's pretty telling of yourself and of the culture we're in but yeah it's a really great cover story go buy it on newsstands or go look it up it's on vogue it's really good and another thing that reminded me about the book is the passing of the late and great rapper dmx he passed after uh, i believe he had a stroke or he overdosed and then he went to cardiac arrest and then he died of a heart attack and there were conflicting reports before he passed that he had passed and people were saying or rp dmx but he hadn't passed yet and again it's the whole topic about context people just just assume what they want to assume and run with it with no regard to context or confirmation or reliable sources however you want to refer to it and again it's this thing where like on social media it's all about like asap and syncretification instead of actually being patient and doing the research available but nevertheless dmx was laid to rest uh, soon after and he his funeral procession 
was uh, uh like some a uh, sight to behold. He was his casket was carried was driven along New York in this big monster truck, like a huge monster truck, and behind the monster truck rode along like tens of motorcyclists and it seemed and it it was a the perfect tribute to him and the streets were filled with people but yeah check out dmx's music if you hadn't lately he was really one of the most influential rappers out there and make sure you wait until reliable sources to tweet out a headline headlines aren't fact or they can be but just be extra sure and then finally something else that's happened that reminded me of the postman thing is the artist saint vincent uh if you don't know who saint vincent is she's an alt rock musician pretty well known in the industry she won grammy of the she won the grammy for best alternative album a few years ago for her self-titled in 2014 i want to say 2015 and she's consistently put out great music and she's coming up with a new album soon in the incoming months called Daddy's Home. And it's similar to music from the 70s. And I mention her because recently a writer did an interview with her for a publication. But then soon after the interview was done, like the next day, St. Vincent's, Vincent's publicist reached out to the writer and asked her to not to kill the interview essentially and the writer didn't understand why because the interview wasn't like salacious or like it was probably done but then St. Vincent's publicist said that St. Vincent thought it was aggressive or whatever because turns out the apparently the album mentions like the topic of like incarceration and St. Vincent's father was incarcerated for some time for some sketchy business shadings and I believe she was asked about that and she was probably being sensitive to that but if you to kill a story from a journalist like ask to do it I don't know it's I don't know then why did you agree to do the journalist in journalist interview, you know. I don't know. You don't have to do interviews if that makes sense. Because journalists, our job is to report the facts, and to do that accurately. I'm still gonna listen to Saint Vincent's album. Like she's not canceled. She better not be. She has good music. But yeah, respect your journalists and think about how you treat them before and if you engage with them and and next probably the biggest well not even the biggest because their ratings were like historically low but i guess the sun the oscars happened on sunday if you watched them or not i did watch it and to me it was like flew by um some takeaways i i was in this the only the only person I was rooting for throughout the entire award season and 
award ceremony on Sunday was Yoon Young-ha. Yoon Yoon Yajung. Yoon Yajung. Uh the actress from Minari who played the grandmother. She won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. And she gave a great speech. She's she was so funny. She like read everybody to filth who pronounced her name. She'd probably drag me because I probably just mispronounced her name just now. <laughs> but yeah, she won. She gave a great speech. Um and other than that, I wasn't really like rooting for anyone else. Chloe Zhao made history. She became the second woman and the first woman of color to win the Oscar for Best Director for Nomadland, which also won Best Picture of the Best Picture later that night. And Nomadland was great. I thought like it's kind of like a tone poem. The cinematography, cinematography is great. Like it, there's, it's moody, it's beautiful to look at. But at the, at the same time, it's a plot about a woman, a middle-aged woman, who's essentially homeless and like lives a vagabond style as she goes from part-time job or like seasonal gig to seasonal gig. She lives in her like camper or van, and someone on social media said how it's kind of like. Oh, why people pretending to be poor movie or like they're just playing poor and because it's a movie about poverty and to make a movie out of poverty and then like kind of exploit it and then monetize it and profit off of it to me sounds to me seems contradictory and the movie featured part of the movie was filmed inside an Amazon warehouse as the main character worked in an Amazon warehouse and that was kind of I'm like why would you include Amazon and not talk about how all their most of their not most but like some of their working conditions for their employees are questionable and just downright bad it's been reported as such but Chloe Zhao won and then that's pretty much all I cared about at the Oscars because again men who needs men I don't need men Glenn Close got down she didn't win but she got down she did the butt she I know what that is that's the butt and then she did the butt that was the highlight and then there was uh the the controversy of the night was at the end at the very end of the show where the last category was best actor which is usually best picture they changed it for this year for some reason and so Best Actor w- was won by Anthony Hopkins for his performance in The Father. But people were, I guess, some people were betting that ch- the late Chadwick Boseman would win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But they didn't. And so that, but he didn't. So the ceremony ended with Joaquin Phoenix reading the envelope the winner is. Oscar the Anthony Hopkins and everybody was like clapping and then it just went it just ended and people were like what and to make it worse Anthony Hopkins wasn't even at the ceremony he was in Europe because I believe I read that he didn't want to travel which is not which is understandable which is understandable 
there was just an awkward ending because people felt like the Oscars were using Chadwick Boseman as like a marketing thing to get people to watch the ceremony, which she still didn't because around only 9 million people watched it, which is like significantly low. The past years... And the Oscars, man... And again, referring back to Chloe Zhao winning Best Director, like first woman of color to win it, second woman to win it. Man, I don't... Like, for example, there were people who were reposting the news that Chloe Zhao win won the Oscar Oscars won some Oscars on Instagram like you know in those in, infographics and it was being infographic with her was holding her Oscar statues and then with like the headline first woman of color blah, 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 blah. and I was just like yeah I, I was just I hope the person reposting like actually watched the movie and just didn't see oh Woman of color winning, woman of color winning, let me repost or like da Because to me, that's superficial and kind of like defeats the whole point of representation or like it demonstrates the futility of representation because the whole. Because again, you know me, I'll take any chance to come for representation because representation is not enough. It will not save you. It is very superficial. It's the most meaningless or like least. It's the most superficial way of, like, activism or whatever you want to call it, like, political work. And I feel, and I feel like, again, representation is not enough to change the systems that have gatekeeped and allotted these awards for predominantly white people for damn near a century. So just because one person wins doesn't mean it's a movement is just a moment but the question is is this moment going to continue that's the question but just because one person of color wins it doesn't mean we've accomplished anything or that there's suddenly no more racism or discrimination what it means is just that the academy award body voting body finally like acquired some level of taste but nowhere near back nowhere near enough and so that was the Oscars. And speaking of the Oscars, it got me thinking about women directors because of Chloe Zhao, uh, who is a woman and who is a director. And I remember, and so that made it was. I was thinking of women directors, like all leading up, all throughout the award season, and the. Main ones, the main one who gets mentioned a lot is the singer, the singer and actor, and just overall icon, Barbara Streisand. Who, yes, she directs films. She has directed films. Uh, I'm a big fan of her 1983 film, I believe, called Yentl. It's a musical, but not like a musical in which they sing every line. There's like actual normal dialogue, and then they sing. And I'm glad to say the entire soundtrack is fire but Yentl is about uh, a woman in the earliest 20th century in Poland who want she's a Jewish woman and she wants to study the Jewish religious texts but she can't because at the time it was illegal for women to read those types of literatures 
And so what she does is she she cross-dresses as a man to study the religious text. And, 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 and while she's cross-dressing, she befriends a guy and we get we get a little we get a little Mulan situation if you know what I'm talking about like Shang Mulan Barbara Streisand is a man and this and it's really good it's really good I recommend you go watch it but yeah Barbara Streisand I've just been a Barbara Barbara Streisand kick recently and right before the day before the Oscars I rewatched Funny Girl from 1968 which was Barbara Streisand's first movie role which she won the best actress in a leading role Oscar, which she tied with Catherine Hepp from 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 for the Lion in the Winter. It was the first tie, I believe, in that category. And yeah, Barbara Streisand is the moment. And Bar and Funny Girl people don't make films like that anymore. Sadly, Funny Girl to me, I've to Funny Girl. Is about you guessed it, a funny girl, a woman named Fanny Bryce. She wants to be like a a stage star, stage actress, but no one will give her a chance because she doesn't. She's not your conventional beauty. She's not the greatest dancer, but she can sing and she loves to perform. And the movie is about that and her journey and how she and her affair, her like relationship with this one guy. Nikki Arnstein, it's iconic. All the songs are amazing. It's again another musical, but not every line is sing songy. And I remember watching it for the first time early in high school, so like about ten years ago. And I rewatched it recently, and I feel like when I first watched it in high school, I just watched it for like all the big songs, like "Don't Rain on My Parade," for example. But then I watched it this time. And I kid you not, there wasn't a single moment where my eyes weren't glued to the screen. I was like, okay, this dialogue is funny. The outfits, the jokes, the camera work, the lighting, the shots. It was all really cool cool and like good to look at. Those films hold up. Like The musicals from the 50s and the 60s, they're all, not all of them, but the like for example singing in the rain they're all really great films and you should watch them and going and Barbara Streisand is a whole mood she's been a singer and songwriter she's been active since the early 60s she describes herself as a as an actress who sings and she's been around for so many decades and she, i believe she is the best selling female artist of all time and that doesn't surprise me because she, because she's been around for so long she has so many different eras in the 60s it was like show tunes and ballads and then in the 70s it was more funky stuff and then in the 80s it was synth influenced she even has a collab with the Donna Summer which is called no more tears which she performed with ariana grande like in the last few years that was an iconic collab and barbara streisand just something about her where like i know i sound like a typical gay who's just like oh my god barbara streisand barbara streisand but something about her longevity and her career 
it's so inspiring to me because again she wasn't she was unlikely to become successful because people were like oh your nose is too big you have weird mannerisms like your personality is weird but then she did it all and she became a director despite those odds she became the icon she is the influence she is and to me there's something so endearing in that where i can only hope to achieve that level of success or like personal fulfillment sometime in my life so get into Barbara Streisand if you don't because you should I also watched another movie with Barbara Streisand because on Sunday on at the Oscars Anne Ross became the oldest woman to win a competitive Oscar when she won for best costume design for Maureen's Black Bottom and I was like let me look up what because I saw on Twitter someone tweeted about the other movies Anne Ross had worked on. And I'm like, let me look it up. And one of the movies was called The Owl and the Pussycat. Which is based on the play of the same name. Which stars Barbara Streisand as a sex work, as a part-time sex worker. Who befriends her neighbor. And hijinks ensue. And it was so funny. It was so funny. It was like an early 70s. It was, came out in 1970. It was really funny and like cheeky and the costumes were amazing and Ross did not disappoint. The most iconic costume is featured on the movie poster which shows Barbara Streisand in this lingerie piece where it's like a bodice and then on the boobs there are like pink fuchsia hands over them and then there's like a nighty thing and then it goes down the pants and like a sleeveless it was sleeve, sleeve, sleeveless. It was a whole looking mood. The movie is great. The Owl and the Pussycat is really great. And I also mentioned Barbara Streisand because I also learned that there's this phenomenon called the Barbara Streisand effect, which it's like an actual term, which which refers to when something happens like an event happens and then people will try to hide that it happened which is what causes more people to pay attention to the event and apparently it originated in the early 2000s when a photographer took a picture of Barbara Streisand's compound in Malibu and Barbara Streisand didn't want the picture to get out so she like sued the photographer but then because of that, the photo got hella attention, so even more people were interested about it. So even though Barbara Streisand didn't want anyone to see the photos, her getting involved led to more people seeing the photos. So that was coined as the Barbara Streisand effect, which reminds me of the St. Vincent dilemma I mentioned earlier, because in St. Vincent trying to control something that she might have not wanted others to see she actually just brought more attention to it and went semi-viral for a day so think before you act people like don't don't be a victim of the barbara streisand effect i wonder how barbara streisand feels about the barbara streisand effect no i wouldn't have the balls to ask her but yeah that's pretty much all my catching up in the culture stuff and then I'm going to move on to my pop-off segment, which is about 
Lana Del Rey. But hold on. Lana Del Rey tweeted out a tweet. It's a selfie of her with the... And then in the caption, the, the in the photo, there was there were the words blue banisters. And she was like, in the caption of the tweet, it's a new album, July something, blue banisters. And if you know any, if, you, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Or like you've seen past photos, like selfies like these, where she takes a selfie and like she edits it kind of cringy. And like, it's really like not super complex if anything is too simple it looks like pinterest or something and so she kind of like again went viral for that and kind of dragged she's like someone take away pick art or like this is camp yada yada but then i'm popping off because if only y'all gave her discography the same amount of attention you give to unconfirmed not yet finalized album covers because Lana's tweeted shit like that before, and they have never become the album covers. So until literally like the release date, until we know that that's the album cover, then shut the fuck up. That's what I hate about people who don't who are like denounce Lana like uh, the musician and her music, because they won't give her music like the context or the time to like let it grow on them. Or whatever it is. But then they'll tear her down for anything. I mean, I'll give it to you. She deserves it sometimes. But at the same time, like, you can't, you can think of, like, a million different jokes for, um, for like, ba a bad selfie. But not take the time to listen to her music that you claim to be, like, one-dimensional and boring. But I don't know. I'm all on the stand. I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again. Before I am a man, I am a Lana Stan. And with that, that is the end of the episode. Just a little culture catch up because I want to stay in connection to all the listeners and just let them know that I'm doing fine and being productive. And hopefully I'll have more to say at the next episode and not as long as of a wait in between episodes. And so with that, until next time, bye.